Good morning. Happy Monday. Jack Aram, Just Baseball Show. Today is Monday, January 23rd. This is a crossover episode of sorts. If you are a fan of The Call Up, which is Just Baseball Media's prospect podcast, hosted by Aram, I hop on, what, once a week, twice a week, uh, where we talk minor league baseball, we talk prospects, then you'll like this episode because we're talking impact rookies in the 2023 season. If you like this episode and you want to listen to the call-up, I recommend you go do that. If you don't like this episode, I don't recommend you go listen to the call-up. If you like this episode but don't need to add a podcast, I also recommend you don't listen to the call-up, but I think it's a good podcast. I I agree with everything except for the last recommendation. Still go listen to it every once in a while. You know, it doesn't need to be on your rotation, but, you know, we're talking to some top prospects. We're giving you all the info, so might as well check in here, here or there. But, no, I'm excited. This is Right up my alley. Uh, obviously, the Just Baseball show is great for me because I get to do both, right? I get to talk prospects. Yeah. I get to do the call-up uh, and do that. And then on the big league side, it just this gets me you know, able to talk about everything else that I always am so desperate to talk about. So it's always cool when we can combine the two because these are all guys that I think are going to be part of our discussions as the season goes on on the Just Baseball show because – I mean, I think the average listener will have heard about probably more than half of these guys, but may not know where they fit in, what their impact is. And then I think there's going to be some underrated guys that we're going to mention here that you may not have heard of before. And as you're getting ready for fantasy or just getting ready for understanding everybody's roster, when that guy finally does debut in May or June, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember just baseball show told me about that guy. He has a really good fastball or something. So that's why we're here to do this. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun. Right. So how we're going about it, like it's it's kind of a broad question and you can go a bunch of different ways with this. But it, the question in itself is, who is going to be the most impactful rookie for each team in Major League Baseball? Yeah. And we're not necessarily saying best. You can take it as best. It's almost like the difference between the Heisman Trophy and the MVP, right? The Heisman Trophy goes to the most outstanding player. The MVP goes to the most valuable player impactful can be perceived in a bunch of different ways. So Arizona, let's say that Gabby Moreno didn't exceed his rookie limits, right? The best rookie is going to be Corbin Carroll, but maybe the most impactful one because they need catching production so bad because Carson Kelly has sucked. Maybe the most impactful you see is Gabby Moreno. Promise I didn't give that away. The only thing that I'm limiting is that we can only have guys whose rookie status is still intact. So Moreno, he had his rookie status expire. A guy like Nolan Jones in Colorado played like 25 games. He lost his rookie status this year, so he's not eligible. But there are guys that had very brief cameos. We're also talking about guys that are going to debut in 23. What's crazy, dude, is I haven't realized how many guys – 
have lost their rookie status. There was a bunch of names that I was like, man, really already? Like, yeah. I still think it's a crazy equation because you have some guys play like 30-something games. They exceed their rookie status. And there's some other guys where they're like, oh, whoa, he's still a rookie. I feel like Sixto Sanchez is somehow still a rookie. No, <laughs> I, I think he technically isn't next time he comes up. But, like, I could stump you with that. Like, the rookie limitations are weird. We double-checked on all of these guys, though, so that helps as well. And there's some teams where it's a bit more of a reach because it's like – I don't know if there's anyone that's going to make a real impact that's in triple yeah. a or, or, you know, knocking on the door of the big leagues, but there's a guy in double a who I think could fly right up and make an impact. So that's the other side of this is to kind of boil it down. The way I approached it was where are each of these guys, like, like my choice for each organization, it's going to be whoever just has the most F war by the end of the year. Now there could be prospects that are way more qualified that are going to have way better seasons in the future, or may even be better for their short little spurt that they're up there. But you know, I think I'm trying to balance the how impactful are they going to be once they get up and how many games are they going to be up? So if there's a guy that's up for 100 games, that's eh, I'm still going to put him ahead of the guy that I think might get a cameo in September and be very good. So that's kind of how we're weighing this out, too. If you're wondering why some maybe higher profile prospects didn't quite make it, this is yeah. a big ETA discussion, too. It is a big ETA discussion. And I find that interesting that you look at it that way, because the way that I'm looking at it is whose presence is the most positively felt. That's yeah. the way I kind of viewed it. So like Baltimore, we'll get to Baltimore in a little bit. We're going to go through all 30 teams. I'll start with the National League and we're just going to fly through NL East, AL East, NL yep. Central, NL Central. Um, and, you know, like Baltimore, for example, Gunnar Henderson may very well win Rookie of the Year, but you could argue that Grayson Rodriguez's impact is larger felt because they so badly need pitching although Gunner might have a higher F4 at the end of the year. So we're attacking it two different ways. 100, well, 100%. And that's one where I think you, you can bake that into because it's it's that's the epitome of the best example, right? I mean, we're right. talking about a team that desperately needs pitching and brings up arguably the best, best pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, Gunnar Henderson in a vacuum could be more valuable than Grayson. But I'll tell you what, if they could pick one to have next year, I'd almost imagine that they could easily pick Grayson no matter how good Gunner is because they could plug in a 110 WRC plus guy uh, and, and the drop off isn't as bad. The drop off from Grayson Rodriguez to whoever else they're going to wheel out there, drastic. even a Dean Kramer, like whoever it would be, is much more drastic than, you know, Luis Arias, let's say, or, or whoever yes. it may be. A hundred percent. Ramon Arias. Luis Ramon Arias. Arias. Excuse me. Ramon Arias. Okay. So Luis Arias real quick. And like, I know we talk about Luis Arias's baseball acumen and his ability on the field. Um, he walks up to a song by Mike Towers that goes harder than like any walk. Oh, Mike song Towers is a big, heard. big, big favorite in the Latin baseball community. Oh my god! Like that dude pumps out walk-up songs like it's nobody's business. And I, I, it's like something like Sir de los Cielos" by Mike Towers is Luis Arias's awesome. walk-up song. It's crazy, like bars nonstop. All right, NL East. Starting with an absolute dud, and then we get to a couple of bangers here. Atlanta, Vaughn Grissom has already um, exceeded his rookie limits during the 2022 yeah. season, so he is not on the board. I'm going with a pair of shoes. I'm going with Jared Schuster and Braden Shoemake. I'll go with Schuster because I think he's so much better than Braden Shoemake. Jared Schuster might be needed. If Soroka is not anything close to what he once was, they might need that pitching depth, especially if Ian Anderson doesn't work out. Um, so Schuster, one of the better left-handed pitching prospects in the game, he could be a guy 90 to 92. He is so ready. 
he feels like watching him in double A and triple A this past year, he just seems so ridiculously seasoned. Now, the problem is Albies has had trouble staying on the field. Von Grissom, how's he going to do playing shortstop on a full-time basis? What's Orlando Arcia going to be for you? If they have to go to the farm, Braden Shoemaker is going to be the one to fill innings. I, I agree. And that's where it's going to be very interesting because I, I think we, we just talked about the Braves and you know, I, we got hammered. I got hammered a little bit in the uh, YouTube comments because I totally forgot the Braves as we were talking about contenders. And, and one comment was even like, Oh, arms, arms, Marlins fan. Uh, and their managing editor is a big Mets guy. So you know, they, they have some bias there. And I was like, man, I, I could see why you thought that, but if you we listen love to this pod, if you listen to this podcast at all, Alex and was my favorite executive and the Marlins have made me like almost just enjoy the rest of the league more. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pushed me the other way. I love what the Braves have built. Michael Harris, one of my favorite players in baseball. And I, I, I love the Braves. So I want to put that out there. And I know it, it hurts my <laughs> Marlins fan friends out there that hear me say that, but they've already heard me say that it was nothing personal Atlanta. Your strength is the rotation, which is why I think Braden Shoemake may end up being more of the impact here. Right. I mean, right. Is, is he going to be very good? Probably not. Uh, is he going to be a solid utility piece for them? I think so. He's one of those guys that isn't going to hit much in the minor leagues in 89 WRC plus and triple A, but I think he could do exactly that in the big leagues too, right? Like, yeah. I don't think he's going to be the guy that's like, oh, if he's doing that in the minors, what's he going to do in the big leagues? I think he can do something similar. He's fast. He's athletic. He's got sneaky pop. I think he can kind of fill that role, uh, especially if you have some struggles from Grissom. I think that Schuster's a better big leaguer, but ultimately like, they don't even need to go to they got they Ian need Anderson him. too. They've got Ian right. Anderson too, right? So I, I think that Shoemake makes more of the impact this year, especially if there's one injury, like you said. Uh, but Schuster is the better player. And God forbid multiple arms go down, then Schuster's far and away the more impactful rookie of these two. A hundred percent. And I hope they use Schuster either as trade bait or as a guy that's actually gonna pitch for them because that's one of the most valuable pitching prospects in the game right now. Like yeah. it, Schuster's a top 100 guy, no? He he wasn't by the end of the year, but he's going to be right on the fringe there. So it, the velo is what really hurts him. Though. He's like 90 91, but he gets yeah. out. And, and that that's something that we we'll we'll break down a little bit on the call up, but what I will say is this is people would have said something similar to about Kyle Muller. I know he throws harder, but in terms of where he stacks up, they held on to Kyle Muller. He had a really good year in AAA when he was probably close to big league ready. And I could see, and then they end up flipping him in part yep. of that package to get Sean Murphy. I could see something similar where Schuster just dominates AAA, cameo in the big leagues, shows all right, and they package him elsewhere. So uh, I, I do think he's going to be one of those guys that's, it's like, why isn't he a top 100 prospect? But he really should be. But the ceiling kind of keeps him out. Right. Um, the Mets. You could pick Francisco Alvarez, but they've got Omar Narvaez and Tomas Nito to buy some time behind the plate. You could go with Brett Beatty, who's coming back from that from that thumb thing, but Eduardo Escobar is going to play third. You have to pick Kodai Sanga here. Have to, yeah. have to. What was the downfall for the New York Mets in the postseason, in the wildcard series? It was starting Chris Bassett game three. Yeah. If they have an all-star caliber three, as a rookie right-hander on a five-year, $75 million deal, who apparently the industry thinks was an underpay, uh -huh. right? They think $75 million was cheap for Senga. I've heard great things from Senga in bullpen sessions already. Um, Kodai Senga is the guy. And if the Mets can run out, Verlander somewhere close to his last year's form, Scherzer somewhere close to last year's form when he was healthy, and Kodai Senga, if he is what we think he could be, I mean, this team runs away 
with with that wild card series in hindsight. Oh, absolutely. Especially because it was one of those things where when Scherzer go when Scherzer struggles before that, it was like, okay, well, if he's not succeeding, Chris Bassett ain't bailing us out. There's a level of me where I'm like, and we'll see. We got to see more of what Sanga can do. But just why I, I watched a bunch of condensed starts and this stuff is crazy. And you know, we've we've seen and read even more about Sanga and how good he's looked already, you know. But w- what I do think now is you roll out a Sanga instead of Bassett in that spot, and you're like, Hey, maybe Sanga can can pick Scherzer up here, right? Yes. I don't think anybody was saying that about Bassett. And we'll Nobody. see. He still has to prove it, but I think the ceiling is so much higher on Sanga, like we've talked about. I will say, and and, and if it weren't for Sanga, I think Brett Beatty's still the pick. I think he's going to try to get some action in left field. I still think he's going to fill in. They only like one of the two swings from Eduardo Escobar, so that could be a bit of a platoon. And he could be platooning outfield, platooning at third base, and all of a sudden, a little bit of DH two. He's finding himself in the lineup three days a week, and with the power that he has, maybe four days a week, and the power and the the hit tool and the all overall approach, Beatty could make an impact. But when Sanga's projected to be your three starter, that's the guy that's going to be the most important. Where does Francisco Alvarez factor into the Mets' plans this year? I think he's he's waiting in the wings if you know one of one of the pitcher or one of the catchers, excuse me, gets hurt. That's or crazy. If they're really underperforming. I also think there's a chance that he is that that DH option for you. But like to platoon with with Vogelbach. But my problem is this: he's not a complete hitter yet. He's extremely young. He's just kind of coasted to a degree on natural talent and brute strength, which is a big reason why he is such a highly regarded prospect. But he could use a new few, few hundred at bats. At, at the triple a level to continue to iron out some of the issues he has specifically lying off the high fastball and just his overall approach, giving him at bats every once in a while spread out in the week, whatever crumbs he gets to the DH role and filling in as the third catcher and maybe it's pinch not hitting, helpful. like the way the Padres did with Camposano. I know he's a better talent, but just for example, it's not helpful. So I, I feel like Beatty's a guy that they can mo- more easily plug into the lineup and he yeah. might be up there and he's more complete of a hitter. I think Alvarez needs to be in triple a, and that's not a slight on him at all. Don't stunt this guy's growth when you don't need to, especially since they have two catchers right now that are probably going to hold it down, at least for the meantime. And and I think that's common thought is that his growth is already stunted, like he's almost losing some of that prospect luster. No, he's still going to be a top five prospect in baseball, even if he's in AAA for three quarters of the year this year. He's that young. He's got that much brute strength and he is that like gifted physically. Mm-hmm. Um, Philly. There's really no good answer here, but if there is one weakness to the reigning National League champion, it's starting pitching depth. And that's why Andrew Painter's meteoric rise through minor league baseball will make him the most impactful rookie for the Philadelphia Phillies. Because yes, you go Wheeler, then Nola, then Suarez. But that's when you ran into issues during the postseason. I mean, all the way through to the World Series, right? We're talking about Bailey Falter possibly throwing innings. Hmm. If Andrew Painter, who I think you may regard as the second best pitching prospect in the game after Grayson Rodriguez, Painter, by the way, I saw he was at Cressy this offseason. I saw a video of him on Twitter this weekend. This dude, like, okay, he he wasn't rail thin, but he was like that lanky right-hander, right high school right-hander. This dude started to fill out, man. I mean, his legs look bigger. His arms look more defined. If Andrew Painter continues this absolutely insane 2022 minor league season, pushes it in Lehigh Valley, and is knocking on the door of Philly, this guy can go six shutout innings in Major League Baseball right now. Is he 20 years old? 19. 
He's 19 years he's old. He can, go, he can go six shutout innings in Major League Baseball right now as a 19-year-old. Yep. He's that good. Um, I, you know, with a little bit of the injury to Grayson last year uh, and, and what Painter, the way Painter finished, top 100 is coming out in a few weeks. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if we have him at number one in terms of, of the pitching prospects. And that has nothing to do with Grayson and almost everything to do with Andrew Painter. This guy could come up and and be Spencer Strider-esque. I really do believe that. And and I think of guys that pitched last year, so that this would exclude Grayson Rodriguez and, and Daniel Espino. I'm saying guys that really I have a whole season of data. I think G-Rod would be close there, but a lot of that's kind of murky because he was kind of coming back and a lot of rehab starts mixed in there. So I want to keep him out of this. But of everybody else, Andrew Painter had the best three picks pitch mix in the minor leagues last year, and it wasn't really close. Um that's what he did as a teenager to reach double A. I think he's going to start and triple. I think he's going to shove. And why wouldn't you swap out a potential frontline starter with Bailey Falter the second that you can? They're not going to start him in the big leagues because they want that extra year of control. It's super easy to hide behind it when he hasn't pitched in triple A yet, even right. though I think we both agree he's ready. It's well, not Andy's egregious. 19. It's not egregious. He's also 19. So I think he's going to be up earlier than a lot of people think. And I think he's going to take the league by storm because you don't need to waste his bullets right now in triple a much more beyond a few strong starts to start the season. I'm with you, man, Miami. Uh, I'm going to ask you to pick one Xavier Edwards or Nick Enright. Enright was a rule five pick. He has a chance to be the first Marlins closer since Heath Bell. Like who was the last Marlins closer? The last Marlins closer. Yeah, they've had a few come in and out through the years. Like they've had like a, a Steve C. Sheck. They've had they've had some. But like um, Enright, Enright could actually be a shutdown reliever. Yeah, I think so. I think I don't know if he has the stuff to close. I I bet he'll close games this year. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think he's, he's probably going to be one of their better relievers this year. I really do. Yeah, I really, really do. So I, I would say probably him. Yeah, over I Xavier Edwards. Like, there's really not much space for Xavier Edwards right now. No, I I would think a rookie outfielder would make more of an impact. Like, I, I don't know if Bleday exceeded his rookie limits. Bleday did, as did Burdick. Yeah, then, geez, that's a really tough one. I, I would say Enright has the most direct path because there, he is probably one of their better relievers. Just selected him from the, the Guardians in the Rule 5. Only reason he was available is because they've got a million other arms they had to protect. Yeah. 92 mile an hour fastball, but it's one of the more ridiculous in terms of induced vertical break. It just takes off. It's an invisible that'll play in one, one inning spurts, two inning spurts. He's going to be a good arm for them and they need bullpen arms badly. He might be one of their best. So I, I, without a doubt, think he is the, the guy that makes the most impact as a rookie, which is sad, but also it is a little bit because the Marlins did go out and get some vets at least this year. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And then wrapping up the NL East with Washington, your eyes immediately gravitate towards Cade Cavalli, but I'm actually going to go with the first overall pick in the Rule 5 draft in Thad Ward. And I think that Ward is going to be one of the better swing men in baseball. Obviously, he can hide behind the fact that his team might be a 50-win team this year. Um, but Thad Ward is really, really talented. And it was really shocking that the Red Sox did not protect him. And the Red Sox came up aces with Garrett Whitlock there's a chance the opposite happens to them with that ward. I like that. I, I really do. And we talked about this on the call up. I agree with everything you said. Um, he, I think he's going to get a lot of action in the rotation. I really do. And he's someone coming off of Tommy John. So <clears throat> he was already building up at the end of the year. 
built up a little bit more in the Arizona Fall League, and he's got the kind of stuff. I'm really interested to see how they use him, but that was one of the only Rule 5 picks where we've seen the pick come in well before the Rule 5. So that shows you how excited the Nationals were to get Thad Ward. Yeah, 100%. AL East. AL East. Wow. <clears throat> we already made it through to the other side. So where do you want me to start? Yankees, Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays, Red Sox. Who gets you the most excited? Go Yankees. <laughs> so Yankees is, is going to be one of the less exciting picks, but it's a guy that I almost think is getting overlooked because of a guy that's behind him, which is bizarre. And it's, it's Oswald Peraza, right? Oswald Peraza, I think, does not get as much attention as he deserves because of Anthony Volpe, who is a higher rated prospect. But what I will say, and again, this is a little nod to the top 100 update. You'll be surprised at how much closer Peraza is to Volpe. And that's more of a pat on the back to Oswald Peraza. He is a phenomenal defender. He's a phenomenal athlete and he's got power. But even if he doesn't hit great, he's going to give you, I think, pretty close to what you're going to get from IKF defensively. And I know Yankees fans don't like his defense. He still grades out metrically as, as pretty good. Assuming that that IKF is a good defender, he's going to give you a lot of that baseline. Maybe the routine plays might not be as routine for him in the beginning. He'll get there. He's got way more speed, way more power, way more upside. And I think he's big league ready, man. Oswald Peraza to me is somebody that is is overlooked as a rookie of the year candidate if they give him enough run and, and more ready to help the Yankees right now than somebody like Anthony Volpe because of his skill set and because of his polish already and the defensive prowess. Yeah, I, I feel like he's actually a high floor shortstop because what he does to hedge any hitting concerns is really impressive. It, it's why I think we both side with Jordan Lawler over Marcelo Meyer when we're talking shortstop prospect rankings because Meyer, while he is a better hitter, we know hitting comes and goes over the course of an 162-game season. Speed and defense don't really come and go. And Peraza has speed and defense on his side. So I, I like that pick a lot. Showed really well for what it's worth in his 18 big league games, too. Had, had a pretty strong season in, in AAA. Still 35 bags between AAA and the big league. So he's going to give you that other aspect that they were really missing. Uh, and he doesn't strike out that much. Go All right. To, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. Kind of weird <laughs> because they are a very complete team. They have added in a lot of departments. I do like two guys to potentially help out. Nate Pearson exceeded his rookie limit or else he would have been a really exciting pick because I, I do like what I saw in some video that I was able to dig up from the winter leagues and fastball was back up to the upper 90s. So he should be in the equation. Another guy that has a fastball in the upper 90s is Yasver Zulueta, who may not be a very popular name. You might not know who he is. I know Blue Jays fans are excited about him. Zulueta has really good stuff. Uh, I think he fits in more as a reliever. Uh, but he reached AAA at the end of the year. ERA was in the high threes. He walks a lot of dudes. So that's the problem. But I could see, you know, this is a bullpen that we don't totally trust. We think that there's a lot of availability and potentially with guys sliding in and out and injury happens. 84 strikeouts last year in 55 and two thirds innings between double and AAA. This guy's got nasty stuff. But if his command isn't there, Otto Lopez, utility guy, didn't quite exceed the rookie limits. That's a guy I could see plugging into or Spencer Horwitz. It's the only one I'm going to go with three, I promise, because it's really just going to be based on injuries. All of these guys are blocked right now. Um, but Otto Lopez more likely to plug in uh, because he can play all these different positions. The bat's pretty much ready to be big league average. I think that's probably the most likely guy to contribute. I Even then, these, these F4 numbers are going to be really low for yeah. all these guys. Um, real quick question. Who gets more big league at bats this year? 
Aurelvis Martinez or Addison Barger? Huh. Can I say neither? You think neither? I think I don't know if either debuts this year. Really? Okay, so Aurelvis spent the entire year in double last year. Barger did play eight games in triple. I like, they'd, they'd, be, got, they'd have to they'd be in a depth. pinch. They they'd don't have to be them. in a pinch. I would way rather start Otto Lopez. Because Martinez doesn't play well defensively. Barger, it was a breakout guy that I think they're going to want to see a bit more of, and you're not going to just throw him up there unless you have to. And I don't think he's a 40-man guy. Uh, Martinez is, but he's less ready. I'm going to say neither. It's a hot take, but I'm going to say neither. That's fine. All right, Tampa? Tampa, they're probably going to bring up some random reliever like Evan Reifert, who I I really like that that could fit in. But a little bit more impactful here, Curtis Mean. Ended the year in AAA. This guy just rakes, man. I, it, it's very simple. Australian uh, just makes it look easy. I think he's going to go down as maybe one of the best, if not the best. I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but Australian baseball players ever. I can't think of many. I mean, Liam players. Hendricks. Yeah, but I'm saying other than Liam, like position players, thinking of guys like that, I, I might be missing somebody. But I, I think Curtis Mead could be one of the better all-around hitters in baseball if he can reach his ceiling. Hit tools off the charts. Bat to ball skills just are so impressive, but then he's got power. He hits the ball hard. He's a big dude, but also one other guy, Kobe White. Kobe White has been out with Tommy John surgery. Last time we saw him was 2021, where he reached AAA. This is one of the craziest fastballs I've seen, data wise. Hammer of a breaking ball. He could plug right into a bullpen now and be a problem. There's a reason why the Rays added him to the 40 man roster. They know a team would have still taken him in this rule five because of how nasty the stuff is even though we haven't seen him pitch since 2021. I think he'll be back by around mid-season. So we could see Evan Ryford, who's got one of the best sliders in the minor leagues up at some point, or we could see Kobe White beat him there if he can get back from that Tommy John around June or July. And I think he's going to be another one of those guys where everyone's like, how did the Rays do it? Yeah. I, another one that's a Rule 5 casualty of the Guardians, because they were in that 40-man pinch, is Kevin Kelly, who yeah. was originally yeah. taken by Colorado and then – Tampa somehow swooped in to pick him up. So that's a guy going from the Guardians to the Rays as a reliever. I feel like that's a recipe for success here. And Kevin Kelly is a high-level thinker. Apparently, in his free time, Kevin Kelly codes. Like, he creates, like, codes. So is he a Stanford uh, guy? He's not a Stanford guy. I think he might No, like, William and Mary, I want to say. Actually? Yeah. Um, Good for him. Kevin Kelly, pitcher. It might be James Madison, actually. Yeah, James Madison. He was a oh, Duke. Chase DeLauder teammate. Yeah, Chase he could have two big leagues. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Kevin Kelly was an interesting one because the numbers weren't as, as as good as some of the other guys in the Rule 5, but Data Darling, you know, he probably studies that. Um, and, of course, the Rays like that. So there's another arm that I think will will be playing a part in what they're doing next year. Yeah. All right, Baltimore? Baltimore, it's it's what we teased already, right? Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez. Gunnar Henderson might be the best rookie in baseball next year, and Grayson Rodriguez might be the best rookie in baseball next year. But the latter, like we talked about, could make like make a huge difference for the Orioles, right? Could be better than any arm they could go out and acquire uh, by the time he debuts. And, and I think is just about big league ready from day one, and we'll see if he is a part of that team in the first month or if they try to control that extra year uh, because of the injury that that caused him to miss some time. But he came back last year, finished really strong. This guy's been the top pitching prospect for just baseball for over a year and a half now. He's incredible. Four pitches, all could be plus. Best changeup in the minor leagues. Fastball is insane. If he can stay healthy, which this was the only arm issue we've seen, and it was a lat issue, which comes up for everybody. 
he could be their ace by his fourth start of the season, uh, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah, I mean, the way I view it is like very simple. If Gunner goes down, Jorge Mateo is the backup option. Jorge Mateo should have won the gold glove this year. If Grayson Rodriguez goes down, Kyle Bradish is already in the starting rotation. Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer, they're already in the starting rotation. So you're replacing um, you're replacing G-Rod with Bruce Zimmerman or Spencer Watkins or a volatile DL Hall. Like that drop-off is exponentially worse yep. than Gunner to Mateo. Yep, absolutely. And, and even if it was Gunner at third and, and Gunner to Arias, like we said, or Gunner to hell, Jordan Westberg. <laughs> like, yes, I, I don't yeah. care. It's not going to be as steep as Grayson Rodriguez to whoever the hell they're going to plug into that ro- or into that rotation. Yeah, Boston. Boston is is an obvious one for me, right? It's, it's Tristan Casas. This guy showed us a little bit of, of what he could do last year. He launched five home runs. I know the batting average was low, but super patient hitter, got on base at a really good clip. Um, I, I know you could say Yoshida, but I really think that we're going to see more of an impact from Tristan Casas. And I think Yoshida's great. Like I've talked about why, why I think he's going to be 275 with 50, 10, 15 bombs and, and get on base at a good clip. But Tristan Casas, I think this guy could be 30 plus home runs this year. He's yeah. going to get on base at a good clip. He's going to play good defense at first, and he's going to be the fan favorite. He's going to be somebody that I think Boston really gravitates towards. This is somebody that we've been high on at just baseball on the call up for a long, long, long time. And I thought he showed really well last year, including home runs off of guys like Garrett Cole, a really, really impressive swings and big spots. This guy's going to go off this year. I really believe it. Yeah. All right. Uh, NL central for me, you know, Jordan Walker is obviously the one. Like, if he does get the opportunity to play every day, he's going to have prodigious power, and he'll figure it out defensively. He's one of the best hitting prospects in all of baseball right now. He's got 50 homer potential, like the best power in the minor leagues right now. Um, the question is, is he blocked? And And no top prospect should be blocked, but there is no hole in this Cardinal lineup right now. So then your eyes got to gravitate towards Libby and Matthew Liberator because Steven Matz is always hurt. Who knows what Dakota Hudson's going to give you? Is Liberator the guy that's going to get starts there? Is it Connor Thomas, who's another rookie? I mean, both those guys are so, so, so much like worse, worse, but less talented than Jordan Walker. But I just don't know if the Cardinals need to force Walker up to the big leagues like they do a starting pitcher. Yeah, this is a really tough one. Um, the only thing that makes me think it could still be Walker is the amount of different scenarios where you still somehow use it as a reason to call Walker up. For example, any corner guy gets hurt. If Walker looks half competent out there, they'll bring him up or they'll put Yepes out there and put basically he just has to look better than Yepes. And even if he doesn't, they'll still put him at the DH spot probably. Right. If that's And that's if a corner guy goes down. If Dylan Carlson goes down, They'll move one of the corner guys to center because they can both play center. And then a spot in the corner opens up. God forbid if Nolan Arenado goes down. All right. You're going to play some third base maybe, or they'll move some guys around and then another spot will open up some somewhere else. Uh, So I feel like there's a lot of different ways where Jordan Walker could end up in this lineup. Tyler O'Neill has dealt with injury issues. Dylan Carlson was banged up last year. Again, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Probably one of those situations where, I don't even know if they go to Libby right away if someone gets hurt, but I, I feel like Libertor is the most obvious. 
But I am so nervous about Matthew Libertor that I feel like he could come in and actually hurt them. Like the way yes. that he looked at the end of the year, in which case then Jordan Walker has to be the pick. So while I think he's kind of blocked right now, I think it's more likely that he finds a way into the lineup and makes an impact than Libertor makes an impact, which there is were, which I hate to say. No, I mean, there were a couple of starts from Libby that I watched that it was bombs away against Matthew Libertor. And, and that's a terrifying thing for a team that has aspirations of winning the World Series. You cannot forfeit starts like that. Mm-hmm. That's why the Dodgers shut down the Ryan Pepio experiment because Pepio, he would come in and he would not find the strike zone. That can't happen on a winning team. It can happen on a rebuilding team. It can't happen to the LA Dodgers. It can't happen to the St. Louis Cardinals. And that's what may handcuff Matthew Liberator. Um, Milwaukee, super, super easy answer here. It's Bryce Tarang. Yep. I love Freelich. You love Freelich. Garrett Mitchell can be good. Garrett Mitchell is going to get a chance to play all the time in the outfield. But Milwaukee felt comfortable moving off of Colton Wong at second base, sending him to Seattle because they knew they had an elite defensive shortstop in Bryce Terang that they could plug in at second base with Adama still playing short. Bryce Terang, what do you think? 700 to 725 OPS and great defense at second base? See Nico Horner. I don't think he'll be that far off. I really don't. You know how much I like Terang, though. I think you're going to get a little bit less offense, a little bit less offense, but you're also going to get a nice bump where he plays. He added more power. I've broke down his swing. I'll probably do a Terang thread on Twitter. I've been doing these these prospect threads and player threads that are, are really fun for me, but this is a guy that tweaked the swing. He always was a lot of contact and now is able to tap into a little bit more pop and with the doubles to to you know 10 home run pop with the elite defense with the speed he's a great base stealer go check those numbers too I, I think he could be very close to Nico Horner uh and I know Horner did it shortstop but at second base this year and again you hit the nail on the head you don't trade Colton Wong who was one of their best all-around players last year unless you feel really good about Turing because while the Brewers have made some lateral moves this is a team that's still looking at the division next year, and you're not starting a rookie that you don't have the utmost confidence in. How many other teams in baseball do we see kind of forcing a rookie up or or projecting a rookie into their starting job that you know is is the in the playoff hunt? Not many, and I right. think it's because the Brewers have that much confidence in them. Hundred um, percent. The Cubs. I want to say Mervis, but obviously they signed the platoon of Hosmer and Mancini, which sucks and. Uh, he, I mean, Matt Mervis is going to be an Iowa cup and he shouldn't be an Iowa cup, uh, for at least a couple weeks this season. But I do want to float Hayden Wisniewski here who had a great showing in his first couple of major league starts. And I would take personally Wisniewski over Justin Steele in this rotation Wisniewski over Drew Smiley in this rotation and Wesneski over Keegan Thompson right now in this rotation. So I could see a world where Wesneski is the third best pitcher on the Chicago Cubs this year behind Stroman and Tyone. And Stroman is a $70 million guy. Tyone's a $70 million guy. Wesneski, a rookie. Dude, that's probably another guy I need to, to – I wrote an article on it, and, and I had a blast writing, writing up his, his arsenal. I think you're, on, you're 100% on on this one. I was floored breaking down his starts at the big league. Something clicked for him after he had a couple blow up starts with the Cubs to start his triple A career with them, just straight away figured it out and then went to the big leagues and more of the same. This guy can really pitch his stuff moves in every different direction. His command has gotten better and better. And 
this is another one of those situations. I think Mervis is going to hit well. I know you think that too, but do the Cubs need a Matt Mervis more than they need a Hayden Wisniewski? I don't think so. Cause I think at least even from that platoon, they're going to get a 102 WRC plus or something yeah. from that platoon. It'll just be boring as hell, right. but there's going to be guys maybe in the back end of that rotation who could really struggle. Wesneski has the upside, like you said, to be a number three for them. And, and that's huge. Even if he's more of a number four, especially with, you know, Wrigley being the place that it is right. And when balls are elevated, there's a chance they just keep on going until they hit the basket. Wesneski is sinker slider belt and below. He does not, have an arsenal that allows guys to lift baseballs consistently. I think Wesneski has a chance to be a hidden gem for them. And I think that the Cubs like feel bad for F Ross going down with TJ, but I think there's a chance that the Cubs have a massive, massive win five years down the road. And that was Nesky Ross too. Even if F Ross was healthy. And, and I think look, you can, I'm not saying it's a bad trade for the Yankees. They're, they're focused on now and Wesneski doesn't fit in. We're talking about one of the best rotations in baseball, but, uh, I think we'll look at it as a very lopsided swap when it's all said and done, even if F. Ross was healthy because Wesneski's a starter, man. Those guys don't grow on trees, and I really think he's going to be a proven big league starter. 100%. Uh, Cincinnati, Ellie De La Cruz is not going to be up for long enough, I don't think. That's why I go to Spencer Steer, and Steer is going to get every day at bats. Steer is going to be in the lineup for 150 games if he is healthy. Ellie De La Cruz is going to be in the lineup for – 75 games if he's healthy, and that's why I side with Steer. I agree. And, and you know, Ellie De La Cruz, there's really no reason to rush that guy. I, no. I know it's very exciting, but he's got some things he still needs to iron out, too. He's an extremely aggressive hitter that I think it'll get exploited a little bit more in AAA, and then he'll, he'll make his adjustments. He also needs to work on the glove a little bit at short, so take your time. Spencer Steer is awesome. Um, I think the ceiling is much more limited, but I think he could be a lot like what Brandon Drury was for them. I think we've said that in the past, and um, that's really good. That's a potential rookie of the year. I know that's this is a guy that we'll probably talk about as a dark horse rookie of the year candidate because of a guy that has average power and an above average field to hit. You stick in Cincinnati. Now he has above average power. Now he's 20 and, homers. Yeah. And now, yeah. And, and the above average field to hit didn't go anywhere. So that's what we could see with Steer if, if that translates to the big league level. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then Pittsburgh, Andy Rodriguez is going to be up sooner than I think many expect because there's nothing blocking him. Austin Hedges is a backup catcher that's going to be the starting catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates on opening day. Tyler Heineman is a DFA candidate. Like, yeah, he was okay for the Pirates last year, but there's really nothing blocking Andy Rodriguez. But there's a chance that they hold Andy down there for a couple of months, a la O'Neill Cruz. Um, and I mean, think about it. Like, this guy went insane in 2022. Maybe they have to see a young catcher handle a triple-A staff before he does get the nod to get up to Major League Baseball. So I go to one hitter, one pitcher. You are very high on Luis Ortiz. I'm very high on Luis Ortiz. He was excellent in his first Major League start, and that was it for Luis Ortiz. So Ortiz is going to be a guy that should factor into the rotation and I think is the second most talented arm in that rotation behind Rolanzi Contreras now. Um, and then G1 Bay. I love G1 Bay, man. I, I think that this guy can be a bat to ball machine. He's a line drive machine. He's got such a good swing. Um, and he's so damn versatile. He's fast. He can play above average defense at like five different spots. Yeah. Those are the two. I think he's going to force his way into the lineup. I really do. We were talking about teams that are you know, bad teams that could win 80 games next year. And 
just when we were highlighting that in the last episode, I know that that we were talking about Bay as someone that will plug into the lineup and make it look better than whatever they're going to have playing in there in the beginning of the season. Andy, I think, is it has a chance to make an impact, but you mentioned the catching side. Also, he, they need to see how much he can play those other positions because that's going to be part of what he does. He's going to be Dalton Varsho-esque, not with the elite defense in the outfield, but a really good bat that could play all over be, beyond just catcher. Well, and they do have Henry Davis a level below. Like they've got the former number one overall pick who is a full-time catcher in Yeah, He's not Henry Davis isn't playing second base, right? No, so he's, not. he's playing first or he's catching or he's DHing. So th- I think that's why they want to give it some more time. Luis Ortiz is gross, man. Like gross. gross. We're talking triple digits, fastball, crazy two seam run to it. He starts to not now throw a four seam or top of the zone. Slider is plus plus. He's going to be nasty if the command is there. I know you saw him in triple. I I want to I want you to see him in triple so I can get a report back, but I'd rather see him start the year at the big league level, and I expect yeah. him to. Yeah, because you and I could then get the same exact report. Yes. Uh, AL Central. AL Central. So we've got – honestly, the AL Central is the worst one, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it but, is. Um, your White Sox probably have the most intriguing guy of this group that I think is going to make an impact, and it's Oscar Colas, right? Because there's not that many other prospects that are close to big league ready. There's not that many other prospects that are as exciting as Oscar Colas, and Colas is not a finished product. He was a very expensive international free agent coming over from Cuba, played a little bit in Japan, showed well there, got granted release from his contract. I don't know what that whole deal was. Yeah. Um, he's not the best defender. He's better than Andrew Vaughn in the outfield. He murders fastballs, needs to work on hitting breaking balls. And I think that's something that'll, that'll come, but how good he was against high VLO fastballs and his numbers left on left. He's actually like got strong splits both ways. If anything, reverse splits tells me that he can tread water right away in the big leagues. And he might not hit 270. He might be 240, 250 at the beginning, but he's going to hit a lot of home runs and he's going to be flashy. And, and I think that's something that the White Sox may need pretty early in the season, uh, especially with how oft injured, a lot of these guys are in on this White Sox team, and especially with how keen they are on getting Andrew Vaughn out of the outfield and how much I don't really like Gavin Sheets. Like, he's <laughs> going to be better than Gavin Sheets with better defense. Yes. I think it's it's going to be one of those, we'll get the we'll get the Gavin Sheets experiment for it for a month or two. It'll be really rough. And if Colas is swinging it in AAA, they won't waste any time. And I think we'll see him up there by, I, I think, May, May or June. Yeah, I Colas makes a lot of sense. And like people were talking about Colas as the opening day right fielder before they signed Benintendi. I'm very glad that they went and got a guy like Benintendi because you don't need to see the Colas experiment. The other one might be Lenin Sosa if they yeah. do think that he is the option and the best option at second base. Because right now, I walked through it on, on an episode last week. Like it's Leori Garcia, um, Romy Gonzalez, and Lenin Sosa, all of which absolutely sucked at the major league yeah. level last year. So maybe Lenin Sosa figures it out. He was a hit machine in double A and triple A. So he was rushed, we'll rushed from double. And, and that's yeah. what I would say of those guys you just named only one of them has a chance of being an above average big leaguer. And, and that is Lenin Sosa. So yeah. I, that's a guy that I think could get more action early and could be more important, but Colas is just the better prospect. So another one of those juggles there. Yeah. Guardians. It's got to be Will Brennan, right? I mean, Will Brennan, outfielder, got a little cameo at the end of the year last year, was spectacular, and then even saw action in the postseason. Wasn't great there, sorry. 
you had 20 big league plate appearances and or 46, I think it was off the top of my head, but sorry, you got 46 plate appearances. Now you got to face Garrett Cole in the playoffs. Like that's very tough, but it right. shows you how much confidence the guardians have in this kid, how polished he is of, of a hitter. I know this is one of your favorite dudes uh, to watch. I know you, you were a big fan of his and, and texted me a lot about him last year, as you saw him in AAA for a long series. Really, really polished hitter. If you want to read more about him, our Guardians top 10 prospects is up. He's inside that top 10. He can really hit. He can play all three outfield spots. He's a good athlete. He's going to make an impact for him. It's it's that simple. I think he's going to be a, a little bit of a watered down version of what Stephen Kwan was for them last year, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had foolish baseball on last month, I want to say. And I think I texted you a screenshot because somebody just tweeted at him was like, who's this year's Stephen Kwan? And he said, Will Brennan. And yeah. and it's not that far off. Um, obviously, Kwan is the gold standard of bat to ball. And Kwan's a 300 hitter. Brennan might be 270 with a little bit less bat to ball. Yeah, but Kwan's probably a little better of an athlete. Yes. A hundred percent. But I, I will tell you, Brennan has way more juice in the tank than Stephen mm-hmm. Kwan. Will yeah. Brennan, I, I saw him for like 20 games in 2021 and like 20 more games in 2022. And he was just a doubles machine, and it all made sense at the end of the year. He was one of the league leaders in all of minor league baseball in 2021 doubles, and I think he led minor league baseball this year in doubles. So this guy is going to spray gaps all season long. He could be a 35-double guy. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with that. And also the exit velos would agree with that. He's a tick above Stephen Kwan, so definitely more juice there. Tigers? Go to the Tigers. Two guys. One guy that's way better than the other, uh, at least ceiling-wise, but the other, much more direct path to playing time. Mason Anglert was was one of the players they selected in the Rule 5 draft. Most intriguing to me because Anglert, right-hander, young. I was kind of shocked, was unprotected, but I think he, they because he didn't have that much experience in the upper levels as a starter, it, it was believed that, the, I think it was the Rangers thought that they wouldn't, see him get selected, but he did. I like this pickup for the Tigers because he's got great command. He's got a decent three pitch mix. I think he could be a really solid back end of the rotation starter. If it all works out worst case scenario, he will definitely be in their bullpen, but he will be a valuable arm similar to the way Thad Ward is going to be for the nationals. That's why he's the pick, but higher ceiling guy that could plug in. And it's like, Holy crap. Who was this guy? Uh, He is way better than I thought. Reese Olsen, crazy, crazy stuff. Command has been a little sporadic, but he started to hone in on it at points last year. He's got number two stuff lacking the command and the track record. And that's why I think he's going to meet somewhere in the middle there and be a, a average three who can show you flashes away more. I don't know how desperate the Tigers are. I don't know if they want to rush him. He did pitch the full year in double in A with 100 plus innings. So I think we could see him up in the big league level halfway through the season, especially with how thin this rotation is. They've been hunting nasty for a couple of years now, and they they found it for a moment, but then that quickly dissipated with Casey, with Casey Mize. They didn't find it with um, Matt Manning. Like, Manning is not nasty by any stretch. No. Um, Tarek Skubal, like, they sort of kind of found it, but not really with, with Skubal. Yeah, like, kind of, but not nasty. Um, and then Fajardo, obviously not nasty. Not nasty. Um, Jackson Job is nasty, but he's just so far off. Reese Olsen is a guy that is a little bit closer and nasty. So that's a chance for the Detroit Tigers to like actually have a swing and miss guy um, and and hopefully bring back memories of like the early 2010s. So Reese Olsen's changeup might be one of the best in, in in the minor leagues. It's, it's among top five or so 
he threw it 26% of the time, 73% strike rate on that, on that. I mean, that's a joke. 49% chase rates. One of the best I've seen for a pitch thrown that much and in zone with a 27%. I mean, this guy was dicing dudes up with that pitch sliders, no slouch either. If the fastball command gets there, he's dynamite. He's going to be a problem. We got the twins twins and it's a guy that still hasn't exceeded his rookie limits, but probably won't get action until the end of the year. And, and, and you might be surprised by this one, but I still think it's Royce Lewis. Yeah. still think it's Royce Lewis because Royce Lewis is way more dynamic than any of these other guys that could potentially fill in. Like Matt Wallner could, could be an option, right? Simeon's Woods Richardson could be an option, but they just went and got Pablo Lopez. They just returned Bailey Ober now from Tommy John. They have Kenta Maeda. There's six options here now. Simeon Woods Richardson, I think, could be an option at some point if some of the other names are struggling or just multiple injuries. I don't see a direct need for him as much. Yes, they've got a ton of middle infielders, but they did just subtract one of their infielders. You're going to plug Kirill off in there. We'll see how he does. We still think there's going to be a need for for ABs and center with how much Buxton gets hurt. And plug in the threads again. I did a thread on Royce Lewis. That was my last one about how freakishly dynamic and athletic he is. He hit a ball 114 miles an hour, which would have been among the 35 hardest hit balls of the season last year after barely playing. Uh, and that was in only 30 something games. And then he was able to, to really just do so much more. Please tell me he didn't exceed his rookie limits, Jack. Uh, Royce Lewis. But while you're looking him up, Still elite speed. I still think he'll be a, a ridiculous runner after that injury. He's a great shortstop if you ever got to plug him in there. Speed, power is, is plus plus. Like this guy is an all-star if he's healthy and on the field. That's the big question. But I love all of the adjustments he's made to his swing. You're good. Rookie status still intact. And what Supposed I will say to come is, back midseason, I think. Yeah, the, the ship should never be sailed on a number one overall pick. And, and the two quote-unquote busts that we've seen in recent years – are Royce Lewis and Mickey Moniak. Moniak finally started to figure it out. And obviously, like, he will never be what he was billed at 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 a high school. But Royce Lewis was a guy that, like, the ship sailed on him when he was, like, 20. He's 23 years old. We have to give these guys time, especially if they're a high school 1-1. And he was insane and triple. And this was tangible swing adjustments. Swing looks 10 times better quiet or simple and he's still that explosive raked and triple raked and limited action in the big leagues i think when he comes back he's gonna rake again correa was a mentor to him uh, even in that short time now he's back as well I-, I love the way this is gonna play out for him it's just all about health and i yeah. hope he can stay healthy kansas city yeah this was one of the worst um not fun. I mean, they do have some youngsters that are fun, all exceeded rookie limits. MJ Melendez, Vinny Pascantino, but even like a Drew Waters exceeded his rookie limits. I wouldn't have, I would have begrudgingly like said that. I, I don't like Drew Waters. Didn't um, Massey Lisbell, exceed his rookie limits? Massey exceeded his rookie limits. Like all of these guys, like good for them. That means their service time's clicking. So that yeah. that's good. But there's two guys here. You got Michael Garcia, really underrated shortstop. Who I you know I think could be could be a very solid player and it's closer to the top 100 uh, than a lot of more well known names. Uh, he's just really overlooked. Uh, but Garcia doesn't re- they don't really need anybody on the left side of the infield. They don't really need anybody in the infield period right now. Um, he's a really good bat to ball guy. A little bit of pop. Uh, good athlete. I I haven't read anything. Haven't heard anything. I would consider moving Garcia to the outfield if he continues to hit pretty well at the big at the higher levels because they don't really have any outfield prospects and he is pretty close to big league ready with the bat. 
If there's one outfield prospect that could play his way up there, it's Tyler Gentry. Yes. Tyler Gentry had a great year in double A. He's got a nothing jumps off the page, but it's like 50 to 55 grades across the board, right? Above average field to hit, above average speed, above average, or at least average defense. I like this guy a lot. He's a high floor player. And if he can, I think he starts in triple. If he hits well in triple and Drew Waters struggles, like I think he probably will, Kyle Isbell doesn't really ever get it going. I think we could see Gentry by, you know, June or something like that. And that might be enough for him to be the most impactful rookie. I'm st- I'm trying to decide if I'm going to watch this team when Singer not, and I'm, Lynch throw. I'm very little. I, I, you know, I love Vinny and MJ. I'm going to tune in a little bit there, but I, it, maybe Brady Singer starts and that's about it. And yeah, Lynch, so, just because I, I want to see what happens with this guy. Like, right. Those are the only so two starters that I'm entertaining. Like I'm not entertaining watching a Jordan Lyle start or a Ryan Yarbrough start or a Brad Keller start. Like the only two starts I'm entertaining possibly watching are Singer and Lynch. And the other team has to be really freaking good for me to tune in. And when Asa Lacey debuts, I will be doing anything else. (laughs) That probably won't happen this year, if we're being honest. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, NL West, the Dodgers, Miguel Vargas could be the option, but Miguel Vargas is going to be a utility guy. I think that they might run into some troubles in the rotation. And and that's why I'm going to go with Bobby Miller here. They are five deep. They're not six deep like they typically are. And this is a team that's without Walker Bueller this year that had Tyler Anderson move on, that had Andrew Heaney move on. So as of right now, you've got Julio Urias, a healthy Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw, great, Tony Gonsolin, great. But then you've got Noah Syndergaard. Who the hell knows what Syndergaard is going to be, right? And those guys, all of those guys have not survived for very long. Like, do any of those guys scream 200 innings to you? Urias, Kershaw, Gonsolin, May, Syndergaard. Absolutely fucking not. Not one of them. Not one of them. Not one of them. So I think that they're going to need starts to fill, and I think that Bobby Miller is going to get the call first before Gavin Stone. That's why really? I go with Bobby Miller. Yeah, I We think were talking so. about it. I thought you said the, the opposite. So I think that Stone is like... I think they are going to go with Miller. I would personally go with Gavin Stone, but Bobby Miller has more AAA experience. And like, I think that that one start in the spring training finale last year certainly convinced Dodger Brass that he may be ready for this. Yeah, like he yeah, sat if, he, if he shoves in spring training, you know, and with the way that he, it's you always talk about like bully ball is is what you use like the way that whole bully hitters and overpower them it'll it might be enough for the Dodgers to say fuck it let's do it it's I'm bigger than you and better than you yeah, like that's I'm, how Bobby I'm, Miller throws. pick a pitch I'll strike you out with it because yes. that's and, and he could go fastball give you the give you the gesture 101 and, and blow it by you so no I, I think that's very possible wouldn't shock me if Stone's polish earns him the nod but I I, I do think that Miller's the better pitching prospect and if he shows off a little bit more, shows out a little bit more in spring training, I think that could be the guy that they see first. But there's a need there for pitching, no doubt about it. Yeah, so that's why I side with the pitcher. And I would love to see Gavin Stone. I would love to see Stone first because I think that, again, Stone, if he continues to ride that otherworldly, he had a sub 1-5 ERA. I mean, it was insane. High A, double, triple. Um, Stone, if he continues to do that at the beginning of the season, then I think Stone is the guy. But Bobby Miller, he's just been closer for longer, and that's yeah. why I think he gets the first nod. I do believe, and I don't think it'll be better than those guys, but I do believe Ryan Pepiot finds it to some degree this year. I don't know if that's multi-inning reliever, spot start, whatever it is. Mark yeah. my words, 
he will be a a value to them as a swingman or something. Like I think he'll figure it out enough to to be a contributor. Yeah, uh, San Diego, they may have zero rookie contributors, like zero, but. They did sign Brent Honeywell, who somehow still Stop. has his rookie status intact. My options are Brent Honeywell and Jay Groom. Are they really? And Eggy Rosario. So Luis Camposano exceeded rookie limits. Yeah, finally. Thank thank God Good Luis Camposano's not a rookie anymore. Good for him. Oh, I, thought might, I thought you might shout out our, our thick king, Jose Lopez. Maybe, but yeah. like... I, I loved watching I don't that know. guy pitch. We, for context, Jack and I watched that guy pitch in Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi. Yep. Right. Is that in on our road trip through the South, going to so Montgomery and Biloxi? We watching were... this six foot, two hundred and eighty pound dude throw ninety eight from the left side. It was a nasty slap. I mean, we were tired as shit. This was like first night in Biloxi. We drove. We were absolutely stunned to see what Biloxi, Mississippi looked like. I mean, we were in this state of delirium. And then we see this unit come out and sit 96 to 98 with a nasty slider. It was awesome. It's amazing because he's listed at 6'1", 200. And I think he's 6'1", he's closer to 6'1", 300. Yeah. Oh, my God. No shaming. Like, he's just built like a beast. I'm yeah, he's just at that reliever build, but yeah, probably not making a bigger impact than some of the other. Definitely making a bigger impact than Groom. So I, I will say that Lopez Rule Five pick. They have to keep him in the rotation. He's a nasty lefty in the bullpen. Or sorry, in the bullpen. Excuse me. Thank you for catching that. Um, Azokar graduated, right? So he yeah. can't be because Azokar, I actually think is sneaky decent. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you're kind of screwed. I think it's Jose Lopez or Honeywell. That's about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, San Francisco, I don't know how quick Kyle Harrison's going to get up. I hope it's soon. I hope the answer is Kyle Harrison, but I'm going with the rule five pick in Blake Sable, who is going to get at bats. We know how Gabe Kapler likes to almost have line changes on any given day. Blake Sable may play 110 games this year for the San Francisco Giants. And Kyle Harrison, I think he may make like 15 starts. Yeah. I, I you know, we, they've talked about Kyle Harrison and I've, I feel like it was almost one of those comments made in passing by by I think it was Farhan that said it right that maybe they didn't even totally think about it and now we hold on to that for the next year and I don't even think it's crossing Farhan's mind that he said oh we want to have Harrison up early in the season and and it might just play out differently. I do know that Harrison still has some things to work out command wise. So and I do know that the Giants are not a threat for the division this year. So how quickly do we want to bring this guy up? Differences with Sable he has to be there, like you said. And if if he's not catching because somehow Joey Bart finds a way to be replacement level, then he, he can, can play, play the another outfield. position, he can play the yeah. outfield, right? So, I mean, you could even play first if you really needed him to. So for, for that reason, I think Sable is going to get a lot of opportunity. I do think he's going to whiff too much to, to fully, fully contribute. But when we're comparing to whoever else here, he's probably going to be their, their biggest contributor, right? If not, then it's Casey Schmidt. Yeah. But I don't know how early Schmidt gets up there. More I so than Elliot Ramos. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I think that Schmidt forces his way up, and I think because of the defense, from a pure war standpoint, by the time we look at the end of the uh, uh, like looking back from the end of the season, yeah. I think Casey Schmidt will will come away with the the highest F war among rookies. I can see that. I could absolutely see that. Colorado. It's all about Ezekiel Tovar. All mm-hmm. about him. He's he's the everyday shortstop on opening day. Tovar is well, their roster is complete. 
It's complete. No, Bill Schmidt said they're done. They're not. They're they're not making any more moves. Yeah, Jose Urania and who else? And the, that was it. That's all they needed. Yeah, let me a reliever. Um. Yeah. Let me let me run through the opening day lineup, and th- this is the complete product. This is the product that they're very happy with. Jonathan Daza in center, Chris Bryant in the left, Ryan McMahon at third, CJ Crone at first, Charlie Blackman the DH, Brennan Rogers at second, uh, Randall Gritchick in right, Elias Diaz catching, Ezekiel Tovar at short. Okay. But then look at the bench. They are happy with this bench. It's a complete bench. Brian Servin is the backup catcher. Elihuris Montero as the backup corner infielder. Um, the backup, I guess, utility man is Harold Castro. And then Sean Bouchard is another guy that I've never heard of that is apparently a Major League Baseball player. And then the rotation, Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Jose Arena, Austin Gomber, and Connor Siebold, who was just acquired via trade. Oh, yeah, they just went, went out and got their five-star. That was the, that was the final move. That's all they needed. Well, I, I can say this. I know that the, the Marlins and the Rockies talked trade, right? They, the, the Rockies were interested in several of the Marlins' arms. I never really saw them as, as a great trade partner. I think John Heyman's report that came out was a little bit wrong. Uh, but the one thing that he did have right, at least from from what I gathered, was that the Marlins and the Rockies did converse. And and Rogers was discussed. Brad, Brendan Rogers, that is. Um, I, I don't really know if, if they're not doing anything else. I think they just kind of want to find out what they've got this year. Yeah. One with Tovar, one with Tolia, with, with some of their other guys as well. I just am shocked that they're done making moves, which is which is really funny to hear, especially if they were really canvassing the market that hard. But for that reason, I mean, it's it's Tovar 100%, and he could end up being one of their better players by the yeah. end of the season. And, and we're going to the defense, the power. Like you do a little bit of everything. And we're going to talk about him as the National League Rookie of the Year. We mm-hmm. absolutely are in, in that batting preview. Uh, and then Arizona. Gabby Moreno exceeded rookie limits. So it, it's wow. Corbin Carroll, right? Carroll is the guy that is currently the odds on favorite to win National League Rookie of the Year. I think his odds are like plus 400, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's wild to see somebody's odds that low in something as volatile like Rookie of the Year. I mean, we've gotten what, two weeks of Corbin Carroll at the Major League level and we're already yeah. sold. I would say because because he is anything but volatile as a player. And I know there's a little bit of whiff there, but it really doesn't matter because doesn't he's matter. always going to slug enough and he's always going to hit enough. And, and he's always going to walk. All, he's always going to walk too. And he's got all of the tools that you could dream on to to be able to complement everything else, even if he's not hitting all the time. So that's a guy that you know could back his way into a rookie of the year almost. He could he could have a disappointing year, Bobby Witt style, right, and still put up numbers where we're like. Well, he might be the rookie of the year if somebody else doesn't perform better, you know, in the National League. So I really, really like him as as the best, maybe most impactful rookie for any team, especially as they trade Varsho, clear the way a little bit. I mean, this was, I think to me, less of a vote. I think it was a vote of confidence in Alec Thomas, but yeah. more so it was, we think Corbin Carroll can be better than Varsho, and we think Corbin Carroll is could be the face of our franchise as we kind of usher into the Lawler Plus era. This year, he's the face of the franchise. Uh, and then honorable mention, Brandon Fott. I hope that Arizona moves off the Madison Bumgarner experience very quickly. Like, I hope Mad Bum's in the bullpen for them or, you know, something happens contractually, like a, a la Dallas. Or like Keiko, the Long or, Island Ducks or something. Yeah, yeah it's great. Cool. Like, he's a he's a waste of space on a young, exciting team. Um, and I wouldn't be saying that about a guy if he wasn't a miserable dude. So <laughs> He's pretty nice. Yeah, he's so miserable. So, like... um. I, I, I want to shout out Brandon Fodd because I think that he's going to get a great opportunity and he's going to succeed with flying colors when he does get a chance in the starting rotation. 
agree wholeheartedly. I, I love him. I love his stuff. AL West finishes off. West. Let's go. All right. Well, this is this is one of more obvious for the most part in the AL West, which I love. It makes it a little more, a little bit more fun to monitor these rookies. I'll start with the Angels and the Angels. It's a guy that they went out and traded for at the deadline, looking for this year, looking to upgrade their team for this year and beyond. Logan Ohapi, their catcher. This was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant trade. Yes. But, I mean, this was Perry Manassian's best move, I think. And he's made some good moves. And I really do think he's doing a good job, all things considered. Last year was a disaster. He inherited a disaster. Yes. Brandon Marsh for Logan Ohapi was a trade. Marsh was still a big part. I know the numbers may not say it, but was a big part of, of the Phillies getting to where they were. And they're happy, too. Also, Ohapi was blocked by the best catcher in baseball. But right. Ohapi is going to be really, really good. He has always had the glove. He's always been athletic. The bat has never totally come around. This past year, he raked. Absolutely raked. Now we're seeing a little bit of power, above average hit tool, good athlete, good defense. He is another one that you could really consider for rookie of the year. This is why it's going to be really hard to predict the American League. But Ohapi, not only is he their starting catcher next year, he's an upgrade over whatever they've had over the last couple Stassi, of years. Behind the yeah. Stassi had, had a nice stretch. Like it was nice. Earned for him an bit. extension. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Hoppy is an upgrade and really helps this team big time going into next year. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I, I think Oh, Hoppy is great. I know he was uh Keith Law's minor league hitter of the year last no. year over Andy Rodriguez and others. And Oh, Hoppy was just really freaking good, man. And I'm, it, yeah, I, I think that was an awesome trade for both sides because Marsh, what he doesn't do statistically, um, there were a couple articles that were written on Brandon Marsh um, by by Philadelphia media. There were a couple in the Athletic that I loved during the Phillies postseason run. He is a young guy, but he's a spark plug for that team, and he fits that hyper testosterone masculinity team in Philly. And I think that they're really happy to have Brandon Marsh and his caveman aura. Um, and I think that Anaheim's going to be really happy to have Logan Ohapi. Just real quick, this is what Logan O'Hoppy did in 29 games in AA last year. 11 home runs. He walked more than he struck out, and he slashed 306, 473, 673. <laughs> he had 26 home runs on the year in AA. Uh, that was the 29 games with the Angels after the trade, and then got a little cameo at the big league level for five games. This guy can freaking play. Moving to the Astros. It's got to be Hunter Brown, right? Doesn't exceed rookie limits. He is going to fill into that rotation. I think he's going to pick up a lot of what, what is left there. I, I think he's going to be better than Arkady. I think he's going to be one of their more solid arms. And I think he's going to make that big leap. I know Hunter Brown's another name that, that we're going to be discussing a lot as we preview and, and talk about rookie of the year candidates, things like that. He is gross, and, and he's going to be, I think, a big part of, of their rotation all year long. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, man. I, like, this is a really exciting team if we're being totally honest and and i mean there's not much to be said about like the houston astros right we've already said all there is to say and yes they upgraded at first with jose abreu so uh i will just say yes absolutely are angels no you already did angels oh sorry i don't know why i have angels written down here a's yeah there we go there we go there's a lot of different names, right? There's a lot of different players that we could go with on the A's that could that could factor in. Asturi Ruiz, this just came to my head now. Does he still maintain rookie eligibility? He only played 17 games. He's got to, right? 
Uh, S Theory Ruiz still has rookie status. So this is tough because this is a full rebuilding team here, right? Jordan Diaz was pretty good last year. Really good in the minors. Pretty good at the big league level in a brief cameo. Kyle Muller is somebody that I really think is going to come in and make an impact on the mound. Uh, but then you also got a Stray Ruiz in center field every day. And I think he's going to get a chance to just run wild, right? And play great defense out there and, and just we'll see how the bat does. I'm a little bit worried in that stadium, but it is a little bit more room for him to just split the gaps. I'm between Kyle Muller and Asturi Ruiz, and I'm going to just kind of say both, but ultimately I'll go with the guy that could be their leadoff hitter and could lead the league against stolen bases, right? I mean, this is a guy that walks, so even if he's not hitting the way we think he can, he could be that uh, that level of dynamic athlete that Alberto Mondesi was always supposed to be. And, and Mondesi it was really good even when he wasn't hitting the way that he could because of the defense, because of the speed. I think that's the worst case of what we, what we could see from Ruiz. So I think Ruiz could be the most impactful rookie for this A's team. So Ken Waldachuk and Kyle Muller uh, by roster resource right now are both not on the major league roster. Um, yeah. I don't know why it says that the projected rotation is Cole Irvin, Paul Blackburn, James Caprelli and Drew Rasinski and Shintaro Fujinami, who was just purchased from Japan. Um, if, Waldachuk and Muller are not starting two of the first five games of the season for the Oakland A's. Like I know their whole like existence is malpractice, but like that is actually malpractice. No, that, that, that would actually be a troll. Like that. Would, yeah. I, 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 there would be almost a, there would need to be an investigation to some degree because those guys are not only better, they're part of their future. So let's see what they're doing. And Waldachuk already showed well at the big league level last year. It's so weird. Like, are we actually going to watch a Drew Rosinski start who was purchased as a free agent from the KBO and is 34 years old over yes, Muller and Waldachuk? We probably will. Probably will. Probably will. At least one. I think Muller, there's a chance that he doesn't crack the rotation. because of I the feel way that bad for Dallas Braden. He's got to sit through that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> In that place, it really, it's really rough. Seattle Mariners, Bryce Miller is my pick here because you know you could talk about Emerson Hancock, Taylor Dollard. I think both those guys are are going to be rotation pieces in some facet at some point. But the Mariners, they're going to want explosive guys that could either go in the bullpen or plug into the rotation. And the way that Bryce Miller finished the year last year, he makes himself clear cut the best starting pitcher. I think best pitching prospect in this organization. He really is. His fastball is 70 grade mid nineties ton of life. He finished the year ridiculously strong last start of the season, 14 strikeouts over seven innings. He struck out 163 batters in 133 innings, got better as the year went on with the stuff he has with the fastball he has with the command continuing to get better. This is a guy that could, if they have an injury plug into that rotation pretty early on, but also could be, disgusting as a reliever if they want to bring him in there too. Yeah. I, I'm really excited for Tacoma. I'm really excited for these like five guys. So they grab Chris Clark in the role five um, and then Easton McGee as well. So those will be triple a arms, but then the, the trio of Dollard Hancock and Bryce Miller, like fighting it out to be the first one up. If something goes awry in Seattle, it's going to be really fun. And I think that you're going to see a competitive start from each of those three guys every time they hop on the mound. So if you're going to tune into some AAA baseball, and I highly recommend you do, A, because if you ever turn in tune into an Indianapolis Indians game, you get to hear me talk. And if you guys are listening to this, chances are you like hearing me talk already. Um, or, or they've had enough. But... Or they've had enough. So like stay the fuck away from Indianapolis Indians games. Yeah. Um, but 
if you're going to do it, and I recommend you do because we have a great time watching MILB TV, I would recommend watching Tacoma Rainier's games in the beginning of the year. Absolutely. And that's the cool thing is, you know, that's why I love the call up too, uh, in terms of like doing it. What makes it so fun for me is a lot of the people that listen are trying to get into MILB TV kind of know the storylines, know what's going on. And during the season, we're going to always keep you briefed on that, you know, on the call up so that when you are bored one night and want to throw an MILB TV, you can say, Oh, I remember Jack and Aram. We're talking about how Bryce Miller is knocking on the door. Hancock just had a great outing. Let's see how he does today, you know, and see if he can get his forces way up to the big leagues. Like we're going to keep you briefed on all that stuff as well, which is why I love doing it. But yeah. absolutely. I, I have fallen in love with watching these minor league games and, and the broadcasts are getting better and better. Tough to beat indies, uh, but even even when the broadcasts aren't the best of of the best in the lower levels, the games listen are so to music. To watch, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just listen to music and watch the game in the background. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Last team for me, right? Is is yeah. the Texas Rangers, yeah. and it's got to be Josh Young, right? He doesn't exceed rookie limits. He actually impressively reaches the big leagues last year after hurting his shoulder, labrum surgery in spring training. Comes back before the season's over, rakes in triple earns his way uh, to a promotion at the big league level and, and held his own there. Approach is the only thing, right? He swings way too much. If he can tone down the approach, his bat to ball skills are good. His power's legit. He's a good third baseman. Not only is he going to be their most important rookie, he's going to be an integral part in this team trying to reach their expectations. We talk about teams with ceiling and floor. There's not very many teams with a wider gap between their ceiling and floor than the Texas Rangers. And for the Rangers to reach their ceiling, which is playoff team, Josh Young needs to be that bat that he was drafted to be. And if he's anything close to that, he's not only going to be the, the most valuable rookie the Rangers have, he's going to be one of the most valuable rookies in baseball. I agree. Last remark I have. I didn't know Yoshi Tsutsugo was a Texas Ranger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they, that's a problem, right? It's kind of a game changer. It's yeah, freaky. I'm, you guys talked about it. They kind of forgot the outfield. They really did. I mean, yeah, dude, very, like Josh there's nothing. Smith. And Adolis is good, but uh, I'm interested to see how that shakes out. Ezekiel Duran lost his rookie eligibility, could have plugged in there. Maybe Yoshi Satsugo gets some outfield action. Maybe no. that'll be a guy that they want to plug out. <laughs> Respectfully, no. <laughs> Respectfully, no. Jonathan Ornelas? <laughs> All right. We've held you guys for long enough already. Um, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Peter and I will talk to you tomorrow.